Welcome to the Empowered Homes Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to be a resource to connect church and home by growing strong families. Hey, this is Bobby Cooley. Today on the show, we have Jared Lopes. Uh, This dude is an amazing man. Jared is the author of the book Dad Tired, as well as the founder of this nonprofit, dadtired.com. They have a blog, they have a podcast, they have so many great things to encourage and equip dads to lead and be the spiritual leaders in their home. This podcast, I have Joe Landy with me, as well as uh, Brad Flurry, and just a bunch of dads talking dad stuff. It is a great episode. It's super practical. You will be blessed. If you want more information, you can check out dadtired.com or empoweredhomes.org. Jared, I said Lopes right, right? Is that... <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, so many people are like, is it Lopez? Um, but it's Lopes. Um, I've got Jared here. Jared is the creator and author of a book called Dad Tired and a podcast and so many great resources for dads. And he's in the trenches as a dad, as well as helping uh, dads just fulfill their role uh, as being centered on the gospel, but also leading their home centered on the gospel. And, and with Jared, we have uh, Joe Landy, our student pastor, and Brad Fleur, our executive pastor of ministries with us today as we talk about what is dad tired. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Super great to be here with you guys. So Jared, just tell us before we get going, uh, just about your family, who you are. Um, just let's get real personal. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, well, like most dudes, I uh, married way up. And uh, still surprised that my wife said yes, but I've been married coming up on 10 years now. We've got three little ones. I have an eight-year-old son, a six-year-old uh, girl, and then a 10-month-old little girl. Uh, oh, so wow. making sure I stay true to that dad's higher name. But yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm. man, we're out here in Portland, Oregon. Um, I've got more seats in the minivan that are empty, so I'm trying to fill those up. I want to have more kids mm, <laughs> if wow. my wife will let me. And uh got another seat at the dining room table that feels empty so yeah man i just love being a dad uh i'm stumbling my way through this whole thing but i'm having a good time so that's our family that's awesome man well we're super excited uh thank you for your time obviously Mm -hmm. um today so uh dad tired there's so much involved in that just what is dad tired yeah well dad tired uh is really we're an organization or a nonprofit ministry that is uh, trying to help equip men to lead their family well. That's like at the base of what we're doing. We do that a few different ways. We've got uh, a podcast. Um, that's kind of our main um, way that we get in touch with guys. We've had over a million and a half guys download the podcast and um, from every state in the country. And then I think we're up to over a hundred different countries now been listened to so just trying to there's i think there's a huge need um and a desire for guys to like really want to lead their family well most mm-hmm. of us didn't have that growing up i didn't have that growing up my dad bailed when i was three so uh, i had no context of what it looked like to be a man of god that loves my wife well or a dad that points my kids to jesus so um yeah so that's that's mainly what we do we have conferences and books and stuff but really we're just like a community of men that are trying to figure out 
what it looks like for us personally first to fall in love with Jesus and then to help our family do the same. That's good. Man. <clears throat> well, Jared, this is Brad That's here. Really We're going to jump right in. First of all, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for uh, inspiring men like us that are around this table, dads, and where we work and have the opportunity to serve at here at Kingsland is when we talk about empowered homes. A lot of times we remind our parents that uh, they're the primary faith trainer in their home. You know, the, the parents are the A team, the uh, church is the B team. And, but when we walk through that is a lot of times parents, they don't know where to start, right? They're like, where do I even start when it comes to discipling my kids? And I know a portion of your book is you talk about this, that the scary reality is you don't have to start discipling your kids. They're already learning from our every move. Um, and that sounds so simple and so basic, but it's also very powerful. And just wanted you to, for a moment to unpack that for the dads that may be listening. You know, what does that mean? Yeah, well, first, man, I just reiterate what you just said at the beginning, that uh, churches are not the ones that are commissioned to make disciples of our kids. <laughs> That's definitely the parents' role. Uh, and so yeah, the, the churches partner alongside of parents to do that. But uh just mathematically, there's no way that that could happen. So mm-hmm. we definitely need more parents to step up and to engage in that way. I do think you're right. I think most parents feel super intimidated by it. Um, like, where do I even begin with discipleship? How do I point my kids towards Jesus? I think dads feel like really scared when it comes to this. Like, I, I hear a lot of guys say, how am I even going to get my kids to fall in love with God? I don't even know if I'm following Jesus very well. How mm-hmm. in the world can I get my kids to? Right. Um, and yeah, so we talk about in that the book, like, the reality is you are already making disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, discipleship is essentially just apprenticeship. So uh, wh- what are, th- who are they learning and watching and following? And they're, they're, the truth is they're learning and watching and following you as parents and especially as, us, as dads. And so they're, they're clinging to very quickly what is dad most passionate about. And they're learning that. They're learning like what it's like to get, uh, to see dad like really have, uh, his values and his time and his money placed towards something. And so you're teaching your kids that, whether it's about Jesus or about football or cars or work or hobbies or whatever it is that you're into, like you are teaching your kids what things are most valuable to you. And they're picking up uh, as trying to figure out, is that something that's going to be most valuable to them? And so the the first place to start, man, is like, I always tell guys, you want kids that really love Jesus, like you got to be a dude that really loves Jesus. Um, It's not about some like devotional that you can read. I would love to say you could read the dad's hired book and all of a sudden you're going to be this amazing spiritual parent uh, and leader. But really what you need is like the word of God and the spirit of God to come and do in you as a dad, what no one else can do. And that's to, to really take your broken, sinful heart and to make it new and to make it beautiful and to make it in love with his. And as you start to do that, um, things change. Your behavior change, the way the things that you talk about change, the way you spend your money changes, the way you love your wife changes. Like, but all of that to say, you want your kids to fall in love with Jesus? Like, Be a dude that figures out what would it look like for me to have my heart, mind, soul, and strength totally committed to the things of God. Wow. That's, that's so powerful to, to, to start there. You know, Deuteronomy 6 and every family ministry circle, we talk about, you know, uh, how we disciple our kids is that's a practical model as you lie down, as you get up, as you walk along the road, uh, as you break bread. Um, but the beginning of that passage says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart yep. first. And so as, as dads, we need to, to 
be living our example, how our hearts are focused on Jesus. And then, man, that's just a, a huge, um, uh, a huge opportunity for us as dads. And, and as you, as you're talking, I, I can't help but think of the dad who maybe listen to this going, Oh man, I feel like such a failure. Um, you know, and we don't want to beat up dads because a lot of times men's ministry or anything, and I love your book because you don't beat up dads. You don't, you don't hammer them of how, tell them how bad they suck. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of times in men's ministry or any book, it's like, man, stop sucking. But, but uh, I love that that's not your heart. But what would you say to that dad who asked the question, man, I feel like I'm, I just, I've already blown it. Yeah. Well, so at the heart of that, that question is really the thought, um, God can't really use me. I don't know if I can really be used as a spiritual leader in my house because I'm just pretty messed up dude. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm probably too sinful or broken or like I've got too much shame and stuff that I'm dealing with. So I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And if that's like, if you're a guy listening to that and you resonate with that and you feel that, like I just gently and lovingly would remind you that you're actually not thinking about, you're not believing in the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible actually has a different reputation the God of the Bible is always using broken people to display his glory and his goodness. And so to say, like, God can't use me because I'm too broken, really we've taken our eyes off of the main character of the story and we've put it on us as the main character of the story. And we're saying we're not a very good character, main character. Well, the, the truth is we're not. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we all are sinful, broken people, but God uses all of us, to again, to display his goodness and glory. And so my first thing that say to the guys, man, man, like, dude, yeah, you are broken. You that just on paper probably don't have all the qualifications that it takes to have some spiritual movement in your home. But what's crazy is God is a good God. He uses broken people. And so you can just say like, man, this story isn't about me. I'm not the main character. I'm not the hero of my family. God is. And so Lord would, would I just humble my heart enough to say, can you use me and all my brokenness and humility uh, to help me point my family to Jesus. I just think we need more dudes who are humble enough to mm. say that. Like, uh, I, I don't have this whole thing figured out and I really need God to do what I can't do, you know? Yeah, and I think you can't underscore that enough, Jared. Joe Landy here, man. Appreciate you being on the podcast with us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it goes back to the, the thing that Brad asked you about, you know, they're always learning. I was just at lunch with a couple guys actually today and we were asking each other about how we're investing in our families and stuff. And I think there's this misconception as dads that we have to have this huge one hour devotional every single night and we have to be perfect and we have to have all the right answers when sometimes it's, it's just an ongoing, a constant conversation with our kids and, and, and just seizing every moment, uh, like pointing them to Christ, even when we mess up, kind of like what you just said and just saying, Hey son, Hey daughter, yeah. I blew it. And you know, it's, it's a constant as you're going because they are learning, like you said. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Just finish that thought, man. No, thought. I was just thinking, you know, as we're talking about these, uh, you know, as a, as a dad, you know, a part of our role is husband too, you know? So what does it look like for that, that husband who, man, he feels like he's just not leading his wife very well or, or not, not stepping up to the plate, if you will. Uh, what, what would you say to just encourage, not beat up that, that guy who, who may be listening right now? Yeah. Well, first I want to go back to that thought uh, before I answer the question about the like husbands and stuff, uh, which is a good one. I, the thought of just kind of like using all these moments, all the, the greatest uh, spiritual conversations I've had with my kids 
have always come out of real life experience and, and very, very rarely like mm-hmm. me sitting down and having an intentional quote unquote Bible time with them. I most definitely think we should still have devotional time with our kids. It's implanting the root of God or the, the, uh, the word of God into their hearts to like plant roots. But all of that will come out in real life. And the, mm-hmm. really like the deepest spiritual stuff always comes out in real life situations. And it's usually like little 30 second situations, mm-hmm. little 30 second moments where I'm pointing their hearts yeah. back to his. Um, but yeah, as far as parent or as far as being like just husband stuff goes, um, and for the, for the guy that feels like, I don't know really where to leave my wife. Um, what's crazy. So dad's hired. We've got, you know, a, a pretty big audience of people who are engaging with the stuff we're doing, whether that's social media or podcast or whatever, but majority of those, uh, people are actually women. 60% of the people who engage with dad's hired are women, wow. which, uh, is not surprising because like, we just know women really want us to lead. And so they're trying to like figure out anything they can do to help their husbands step up as a spiritual leader. Mm. Um, it's, it's sad a little bit, but it's not surprising. But, um, I remember one time I had asked all these women, uh, on a social media poll, I had asked them like, Hey, what does it look like in your eyes for your husband to be the spiritual leader of your family? Or what would it look like to you if your husband led you spiritually? And I, I kid you not, I had hundreds and hundreds of people, women respond to this poll and all of them were so simple. I was like, just so taken back by how simple it was. They were saying things like, I just wish he would pray with me. Mm-hmm. I just wish he would ask me what God's doing in my heart. I just wish he would ask me how things are in my, like going on deeper in my heart, not just how my day was, but like what's really going on underneath there. It was like, nothing was super expensive. Nothing was super time consuming. It was just all very, very simple things. Like I think a lot of guys are really afraid to pray with their wife. One, cause they don't feel like they're a good prayer or two, cause it might expose some stuff that they're not really ready to talk about. But like one of the easiest ways that you can start to lead your wife well is literally just to say, Hey babe, I know I haven't been very good at this. I don't have like a good track record of this, but I'm trying to grow. Would it be okay if I pray for you? And if so, is there anything that you think you really would like me to pray about? Like you do that. I promise your wife is just going to be like head over heels. You'll probably have another baby. So you need to, I always tell guys you need to prepare. Like, there you go. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, your wife is just going to feel so loved and led well by just something so simple. That's so good. That's yeah. I'm writing some notes. Down. I know we're writing it down. <laughs> yeah. And baby, here we come. Uh, so as, as you know, thinking about, uh, you know, leading our wives. And one of the deals uh, that we talk about here at Kingsland, especially with our guys, like alone is dangerous. You know, me, yeah. me and Brad and Joe and several on our staff, like we work out um, together and oftentimes in the middle of our workout, um, Joe's really good about this. He'll just ask like, how are you loving your wives, fellas? And so, so tell me about how community plays into this. Like how how do you, uh, I know you talk about it in the book, but, you know, having other dads, uh, how does that help us, you know, continue to lead our homes well? Yeah, man. Um, well, I once had this mentor tell me that uh, I just went to him. I felt like I was in this really deep, like, spiritual funk, and I just, like, wanted him to give me all this deep theological answers on what was going on and counseling and all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on with me. I feel far from God. I feel far from everything. Like, just in this spiritually dry season. And he said, he said, Jared, if we were at a campfire and 
you threw a bunch of logs in the fire, all the, the logs would catch on fire. But if you took one of them out and you threw it to the side of the pile, like within minutes, it's going to be, it's going to be out. Like the fire will go away. Uh, but then you just pick it back up and you throw it back into the fire and all of a sudden it lights up again. Like it's not a defaulty log. There's no deep spiritual thing going on. It just is a log out of the fire. And he's like, I just think you're out of the fire. Like who's around you that really loves God and is loving their wife and their community and uh, people around them really well. Like, are you around those kind of people? Cause it seems like you've isolated yourself. It was just a punch in the gut, man. Wow, I was like, that's that, good. I, I don't want, I don't want to hear that. You know, he's just like, he's like, you're just overcomplicating it. It's just, you're, you're making it way too complicated. You're just a log out of the fire. It's not a defaulty log. Just put the log back in the fire. And, uh, man, to be honest with you, I've gone through some like real, real bad seasons in my life and marriage, super depressed, sinful, uh, seasons where I was like far from my wife. I was not engaging my kids very well. And the truth is I, those seasons, I was super isolated on purpose. Like I wanted to be by myself. I especially didn't want to be around Christians. And, uh, as God kind of started to draw me out of that season, uh, one of the very first things that I said to my wife was, I need to be around people again. And I had actually set a goal that we would have a hundred people in our house for a meal over the next year. And I did that just because I knew I needed to like be around people. Cause if you leave me alone for like two minutes, I'm off the rails. Like I've got, I don't wander towards Jesus. I wander away from him and I just needed to be around people again. So, uh, we actually did like, we've, we've had hundreds and hundreds of people since then over our home for a meal. We have all their pictures up on our wall near our kitchen. And that's just a constant reminder to me. Every time I walk by the kitchen, and I see these pictures of people that were in our home. I'm just like, man, if I get away from that again, like if I don't surround myself with people again, uh, I'm going to end up end up in the deep end. It's going to be real bad. Yeah. <clears throat> I know, Jared, in your in your book, one of the chapters that really spoke to me is you were telling the story of, of Jesus and Peter, and you were diving into their friendship. I mean, that's what you were diving yeah. into, and how Peter ends up betraying Jesus, and then you know you, you put it in such simple forms where reconciliation happens when Jesus makes Peter breakfast, and yeah. you know a portion of this is you talk about we don't necessarily need accountability; is we need our brothers to walk aside us uh, for healing. You know, and you talk about yeah. we don't need forgiveness. We've been forgiven is we need healing. And I think that's a big part of it is that brotherhood, walking with other dads, walking with other men, it doesn't just provide accountability. It provides healing uh, mm. for those of us when, when you're going through a tough season, you know, we're able to put you back in the fire. And then guess what? You have the opportunity to do that uh, with us at another time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in the church, I grew up in the church world and we throw around, I remember being invited to countless accountability groups, but for me, what happened in accountability was uh, I either didn't do what I was supposed to do for that week and I felt a bunch of shame or I didn't want to feel that shame and so I just learned to be really crafty and lie, like frankly, like I just show up to Starbucks, we do our three, three person accountability group or whatever and I just wouldn't tell the truth. And like I said, or I would tell the truth and I just be like, feel like I was getting slapped in the wrist because I couldn't behave well. Right. So there's just like, I don't know. I was just never really drawn to this accountability. I didn't feel like it was pointing me towards Jesus. It just felt like somebody was constantly checking my behavior. Mm. Um, but what's interesting is I started to have friends and mentors and older men who would meet with me weekly. And it wasn't like this accountability. Hey, did you cuss or look at porn or drink or like, you know, they weren't checking off all these boxes. 
but what they were saying is like, Hey man, how's your heart? Like, where are you, what are you believing about God? That's just not true. What are you believing about yourself? That's not true right now. Like, let me point you back to the gospel and to Jesus. And what I found was my behavior was changing. Like my heart was falling more in love with Jesus. And as a result, my behavior is changing. I mean, we want, I think God desires us to live righteously, to obey his word. But I think that that all needs to come out of uh, a heart that is in love with the Lord and in love with the good news of Jesus and not just like this checkbox. Behavior modification, just it won't last, you know? Mm, and so right. you're right. We definitely need dudes who are just going to point us down to what I always say for guys is like when, when they're meeting with me, I'm meeting with them. I'm always just like, I always ask, is there somewhere, is there something you're chasing after right now that you think is going to satisfy your soul more than God? And whether that's work or porn or that other girl or more money in your bank account or whatever it is, like, what are you believing is going to satisfy you more than Jesus? And that's that, what I'm trying to do there is like really get to the heart and not just behavior, but like what's actually going on in our heart. And we just need a bunch of dudes who are going to ask us those kind of heart level questions, you know? Man, so good as we talk about as, you know, dads, as husbands, and then doing life together with other dads. You know, I love about the book too, you're so practical. And the chapter heading to Aspen, it's probably my favorite chapter just because I love the movie Dumb and Dumber. Uh, (laughs) And uh, just, uh, you know, the basic synopsis of the chapter is is, um, we have this plan just like uh, Lloyd and Harry were planning to go to Aspen, but they ended up in Nebraska, right? And, and they get to Nebraska in this funny scene on the side of the road, and they don't realize how they got there. And a lot of times as guys, we we have this plan for our lives. We're heading to Aspen, but we ended up in Nebraska, and we don't know how we got there. You tell the story, man. It, it, it's a gut-wrenching story. It gets me every time I, I read it of the, the friend who – uh, his wife asked him to go get the cake, right? And, yeah. And he was yeah. he was busy, and he had work, he had a bunch of stuff, and he'd already f- been failing over and over. And he asked him, "Hey, go get the cake." And he woke up in the middle of the night and forgot the cake. So he goes down to the to the uh, kitchen, starts getting. And he's like, "I'm gonna make a cake. I forgot it. I messed up. I'm gonna make it right." So he's getting you know flour and everything to make the cake, and then he opens the fridge to get eggs. And the cake's down there on the bottom shelf of the of the refrigerator. And he, in the book, you said he just started weeping because yeah. that's not what he wanted to do as a dad. He forgot the birthday cake. He, his wife trusted him. That's not where he wanted to be. He ended up in Nebraska when he's trying to go to, to Aspen. So just in that um, and making it super practical, you have a chart um, uh, of you know the, tw- the 10, 20, 30 of, of how we keep that why in front of us. Could you just share with us this chart that, that you have in the book? I think it's so powerful and practical for, for dads. Yeah. Well that just, that guy, his, his name's Dan. He's still a good friend of mine. He's actually one of those men that um, I talk about who is constantly asking me, um, you know, what, how, what's going on in your heart? What are you believing about mm-hmm. God and what lies you believe? I meet with him every week. He's part of our church. And um, so, yeah, he's a good friend, man. And he, he's helped me a lot. Um, and that, that is a powerful story. When he actually told me that story, he started crying in the coffee shop where he told me that story. Um, so it's, it's heavy. Um, yeah, so really this is, I have to give credit to him because this is really his an exercise that he's taken me through. But um, the goal is that you write out what is your Aspen. So like for Aspen is what's the end destination? Like when I'm on my deathbed one day, what are the things that I want to say, this is what I, I want to go after? at the end of, by the end of my life. And 
So the goal is that you would write out as like detailed as possible what the next 10 years of that would look like, what the next 20 years would look like, and then what the next 30 years would look like. So for one of them, it's like, what would my relationship, where would I love for my relationship with Jesus to be in 10 years? And what about in 20 years? And what about in 30 years? Where would I love for, and I do this for my individual kids, like where would I love for my relationship with Elijah to be in 10 years and then 20 years and 30 years, my, my daughter Eden, what would I love for my, my relationship with my wife in 10, 20 and 30 years? And you just get as detailed as possible. Like you, you actually try to paint out a picture as, as detailed as you can to really understand what that would look like. And then that becomes your, your motivation and your compass to go after it because what will happen is people will come up to you and say, hey, Jared, do you want to do this? Or, hey, can you help me with this? Or, hey, do you want to take this job? Or whatever it is, and they're constantly trying to get you on an off-ramp to exit the freeway when you're headed to Aspen and to go head to whatever town they want you to go to. People will love to take advantage of your time. And so when I know very clearly, like, no, this is where I'm trying to go, um, then when opportunities or people or situations or even temptations come up, uh, I can just say, like, no, because if I say yes to that, it's going to divert me from knowing uh, to getting to Aspen, which is where I really actually want to go. Um, and if I don't have that clear picture, man, like, then, then I'm just kind of winging it every day. I'm just like waking up like, ah, maybe, maybe Aspen's over here or maybe we'll go over here. But that writing those out is going to give you a super clear idea of where you're actually trying to head in your life. Man, that is so practical and powerful. And if you are listening to this and you have a book, it's on page uh, 181 because I love this. I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy. I love practical, like visual things. And so for me, this was a game changer to, to map out and paint that picture of your Aspen. And I love Dumb and Dumber, but uh, it's, it's just so good. Um, yeah, Jared, um, man, it's been, this has been awesome, dude. I just love talking with you and hearing your heart. And we just got one last question, you know, a lot of dads, hopefully listening to this podcast and maybe even as you mentioned some wives and hopefully they'll tell their husbands (laughs) to listen to these. But if you're a dad listening to this podcast, you know, what's one practical piece of advice you would give them to start doing maybe that they could do tonight or tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to break the rules a little bit and give two, but Jesus did that too when asked what the greatest commandment was. So I'm just following my, uh, my, my master nice. here. Uh, but so here, here's the two things I would say. Number one is um, most guys would believe and, and would say that they have been saved by grace through faith uh, in Jesus. Like there, there was, they did nothing to earn their salvation. It was totally a gift from God. Um, and yet, they would also are subtly believing that even though they've been saved by God's grace and they did nothing to earn it, now that they are saved, they have to somehow earn God to keep liking God's love to keep liking them, right? Like they have to earn uh, just to stay in relationship with God. They need to behave well. And that's just not the truth. Like God saved you by his grace and he will sustain you by his grace. Um, he who began a good work in you, will complete that good work. And that's not because you're going to get all your stuff together. It's because he's such a good God. He will make sure that that is finished to completion, what he's doing in you. And so just rest in that. Like God saved you and he's continuing to save you and he will save you. So that's the first thing, man. Just like ask God, God, I feel far from you. I don't know where I'm at in my life right now or my journey with Jesus. But just instead of trying to come up with 10 rules 
or 10 things to follow. Just ask God, God, would you draw my heart back to yours in the same way that you did when you originally saved me? So that'd be the first thing. The second, and this one's very, very practical, uh, and this is especially for dudes, I would say, bro, like the thing that we talked about a little bit uh, ago, a few minutes ago, would you have the guts to just say to your wife, I know I haven't done a good job at this, but I really want to grow. Can I pray with you tonight? And hold the hands of your wife and pray for her heart. Mm-hmm. And again, man, like I just, it will, it, it's a game changer. One, because I believe God can do in your wife and in you what you can't do, mm-hmm. but also relationally, you're going to connect with your wife in totally new ways. Man. So good, so rich. Appreciate you, Jared, for your time today and for all your work just trying to encourage dads all over the world to to step into their role as leaders. Man, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me, you guys. Uh, if you want more information, you can go to dadtired.com. Is that right? Yep, dadtired.com. Dadtired.com. Check out the blog. Check out the podcast. Anywhere podcasts are set up uh, Jared it, it's been a been a pleasure man thank you for listening to the empowered homes podcast for more content and information to connect church and home please visit empoweredhomes.org